Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oki Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. In this episode, we're going to discuss the tragic death of 18-year-old Yukon girl, Billy Grayson. Her nude body was found in the Chandler, Oklahoma Cemetery, sprawled across a grave. In this episode, we will discuss what happened, why, and what's happened since. But first, if you're a first-time listener, to experience this podcast to its finest, Hit that subscribe button so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then, head on over to our Facebook page. Here we can discuss the case together, and perhaps come up with our own theories on the many cases that are featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Investigations. Today we have hit episode 15. This has been an exciting journey so far, and I intend to keep it going for quite some time. We have actually accomplished a lot so far. We've got quite a few listeners, and I want to thank you all for continuing to support the show. As a way to really kick things off, we've been doing two shows a week to really get things started. And now that we've hit our goal of 15 episodes, we're going to go ahead and scale it back just a tiny bit in order to focus on bringing you the best content that we can offer. Our Sunday episodes will continue to come out as normal, but the Wayback Wednesday episodes are going to start becoming bonus episodes instead of just continued number episodes. It's not going to be tied to a particular schedule, so one week you might get you know the bonus episode another week you might not it really all depends on what we're looking into and what cases that we're working on basically this will allow us to release longer more detailed episodes that really dig into the story that you all want with that being said the way that we did things before sunday episodes were always going to be our newer cases and then wednesdays were always our older cases that's not going to be the case anymore when we do have Wednesday episodes, they will typically be very old, way back cases. But the Sunday episodes are just going to be across the board. Uh, some weeks it's going to be brand new cases, and then other weeks it's going to be very, very old cases. Now, you'll see some of the changes in this episode, but not all of them. That will be more reflected on next Sunday's episode. Well... Instead of talking about it, let's just get into the story, shall we? Sunday, August 17th, 1941, 
Billy Grayson, a beautiful 18-year-old girl from Yukon, Oklahoma, has been staying with relatives, Mr. and Mrs. Duncan, who lived near Warwick, Oklahoma. There she became friends with 14-year-old neighbor Helen Grandstaff. The two girls decided that they were going to spend a day together. It was a hot and humid day and they knew of a swimming pool nearby that they could go to. They spent some time there among friends and when they decided to leave that evening, instead of going home, they decided they wanted to attend evening services at their church. Billy didn't have a vehicle and they were walking into town when a friend of theirs spotted them at a filling station. His name was John Terrell. John was heading into Chandler, Oklahoma, which was about eight miles away to pick up some watermelon. He asked the girls if they wanted to go along and they agreed. They spent some time there in Chandler looking for watermelons and then they decided to head back towards Warwick. The girls decided to part ways with John at a filling station outside the city limits of Warwick. Instead of heading home, they wanted to make a late night walk towards another town, Wellston, where Helen's father was. As they walked along a dark road, they soon decided to turn back and head home. It was near 10.45 p.m. and they thought that they could call it a day. About 45 minutes later, just outside of town, a car pulls up. The driver rolls down his window and says to the two girls, Don't you know girls shouldn't be walking on the highway? And then, you better get in with me. The girls did as they were told because they believed that the man was a police officer. The way he talked, it felt to them as if he was giving an order. He asked the girls where they lived and they told him. Then he asked them if they wanted to accompany him back into Chandler. They declined. Helen looked at the clock. It was 11.30 p.m. He asked them several questions, wanting to know where they lived and how far apart each of their houses were. He had turned around and started driving back towards their house. After they told him that they were neighbors, he then parked his car underneath a large pecan tree. It was there he grabbed Billy and began to attack her. Helen, scared for her life, threw open the door and jumped out. She turned back and grabbed Billy to help her out of the vehicle, but then the man pulled them apart and quickly sped off. Helen chased after the car, but it was just too quick. It sped off into the distance, and the last thing she was able to hear was the screams coming from the car. Now, Helen is in a very rural area. Uh, the houses are far, far in between. These are large farms and homesteads that stretch for endless miles sometimes here in Oklahoma. Now, this part wasn't really reported on a whole lot that I could find, but... I did find one article in the Daily Oklahoman that kind of went into a little bit of detail on this. So, Helen was able to get to the home of Luther Poole, and this was about midnight, and she was shivering and crying, and Poole stood out on the front porch, and he reported that a car went by about a half an hour later after the girl appeared at his home. And neighbors nearby also reported the car as well in the area. Now, nobody called officers because Luther Poole didn't own a phone. <laughs> that doesn't really go into much other detail. Uh, this girl is freaked out. She needs help, and Luther 
um, pretty much stands guard out on his porch from the way this reads. And, and it's just weird. It's just kind of a weird circumstance in this case that things didn't get reported any quicker. I don't think it would have had any difference in the outcome of this case in the life of Billy, but either way, it's just kind of an odd circumstance, I guess you'd say. The article goes on saying that Helen was too scared to go up the road to find a phone. It doesn't really go into any detail why Mr. Poole didn't maybe drive her up the road. Maybe he didn't have a car. I didn't even think about that until just now. But maybe he didn't have a car or something along those lines. But she actually stays there for the night. Now the next morning, Buster Devins was expecting a typical day at work. He was a cemetery caretaker and probably had several things on his to-do list for that particular day. The first thing on his list was to get the mowing done. Like I said before, it had been very hot days there. The earlier you're able to get the mowing done, the cooler it typically is. Buster gets out and he starts to get the mowing done and on the northwest corner of the cemetery he notices something odd in the distance when he approaches he finds the nude body of a young woman she is laying sprawled across a grave her head is actually propped up against a headstone and she's obviously dead now this is one of the articles from the cushing daily citizen this is Monday, August 18th, 1941. The reason we're going into this is because it's discovered on the same day that uh, the body that is found is Billy Grayson. But this was actually uh, worked on and printed um, before that identification could have been made. The unclad body of a young woman was found beside a Chandler Cemetery today and a coroner's jury returned a verdict that she has died at the hands of persons unknown from a felonous cause. The body was discovered by a cemetery caretaker shortly after 5 a.m. The head was resting against a headstone and the body sprawled on the ground. Nearby lay the dead girl's clothes, a light cotton dress, underwear, shoes, and cotton anklets. Assistant County Attorney Walter Hill said the girl appeared to be about 25 years old had dark hair, blue eyes, and the blue-white dress was flowered, and the shoes were white Oxfords. Hill said the office was studying a set of car tracks which passed around the cemetery. He said they appeared fresh and wobbly. He said no residents had reported seeing a car in the vicinity of the graveyard during the night. Doctors estimated that the young woman had been dead since about midnight. They were unable to definitely establish the cause of death immediately, Hill said, but marks on the woman's neck and a cut place over the right eye indicated she had been strangled or died of concussions from a blow. Hill said, however, that the skull was not fractured and that doctors favored the theory that the death has been caused by strangulation. A mark on the back of the woman's neck, about two and one half inches in length, Hill said, indicated that the latter was a possibility. He said the mark might have been made by a cord. Hill said that the local residents viewed the body reported they had never seen the woman before. More than 200 persons viewed the body at the local mortuary. The cemetery is located about one mile west of Chandler and about a quarter mile north of US Highway 66. 
Its remoteness from town, officers said, would make it easy for an automobile passing along the highway to dump the body in the cemetery. The assistant prosecutor described the tread made by the fresh car tracks as peculiar and a possible important clue in the mystery. He said the tread differed from usual tire markings. Now, this was a wild case of the time, and there were many theories being thrown about by newspapers, and they were putting out questions that they thought were probably puzzling the police at the time. The El Reno Daily Tribune had an article dated August 19, 1941, and it goes into detail saying, you know, there's unanswered questions. One, if, if a transit killed her, why didn't he hide her body instead of leaving it where it was certain to be found? And number two, could the killer have been an acquaintance who repented after she was dead and fantastically sought to atone for his deed by giving her a solitary funeral with himself as the only mourner? Now, there were bruises and gravel marks on her knees, and officers said that um, they believed that she probably knelt down and begged for her life uh, before she was killed. This article goes on to say that they believe that she was killed with her own belt. It was the only article of clothing of hers that was currently missing. Now, despite the level of investigation the police were doing, they were looking at this case as if it was somebody that the victim knew. This would be typical for most murders, but this is kind of a little bit different. I mean, they were picked up kind of at random, and so they probably should have had a little bit more of a, a broader stroke when they were looking for suspects in this case. Police followed a lead that led them to a man in Tishomingo. They believed that he might have had something to do with the case, so what they did was they brought Helen in in order to see if she could identify the person as, as the suspect who picked them up that night. When they did the lineup, Helen was unable to identify anybody in the lineup as the person that picked them up. And this was kind of, you know, it's disappointing when you don't find a suspect. It was kind of sad that the uh, newspapers at the time really kind of kind of like laid into her for it, saying that she failed in picking a suspect, and they kind of made it sound like, you know, she made a mistake. In this case, I'm really glad that Helen kind of stuck to her guns here. Instead of picking someone at random or picking somebody that maybe the police wanted her to pick, uh, she stuck to her guns, and she was actually able to help them steer away from that suspect and move on and look for other suspects that might have had something to do with this case. It was shortly after this that the police started looking into the disappearance of a man that happened around the same time as the murder. This man was an oil field worker and his employer really didn't uh, think much of him being gone at first because this man has had several issues with his marriage and so he thought that maybe something was happening there. The man's name was Courtney Douglas Orell. He was 30 years old. And what got the police really interested in him was the fact that his car matched the description of the one used in the crime. The night of the murder, Courtney returned to Oklahoma City. He visited his wife, uh, who he had been separated from. 
and he begged her to go with him. He was going to go, he, he was basically saying that he's going to go to his brother in Ohio, and... But she refused, she flat out refused to go. She knew that he had been drinking and she didn't want anything to do with him that night. And so he actually uh, left there and he soon after disappeared. Now, police in Ohio were onto this after they questioned Courtney's wife. They were able to kind of track down and pinpoint that that's probably where he's at. He did write a letter trying to allude that he's been um, out and about and doing all kinds of things in different parts of the country, but the police didn't fall for that. So, yeah. So what happened was Courtney was at his brother's house. The police saw the vehicle. It had an Oklahoma plate, and they knew that it was probably him. He left his brother's house at one point. They followed him to an ice cream parlor where they ended up arresting him as he exited there. He did not get to enjoy that ice cream, I like to think. Now after his arrest, Courtney was returned to Oklahoma to face trial. Now you would think that his wife would probably testify against him. She kind of had some dates and times of uh, things that may end up putting him in jail forever. And that was not the case. She completely backed him up, believed he was innocent, didn't think he could have done it. Um, the first thing that she asked him is, did you do it? He said no, and then they just became, they just started kissing, apparently. So, I guess they really took those vows seriously. <laughs> now, during the trial, Courtney... Uh, used dates and times to try to prove his innocence. He tried to show that it would be impossible for him to have committed the murder because he couldn't have been there at that time. The state's biggest witness was going to be Helen. Helen had positively identified Courtney as the killer. When this case went to the jury, the jury deliberated on and on. This went on for days until finally the judge had to go ahead and declare it as a mistrial. In the second trial, Courtney was again prosecuted. Things went pretty much the same way. They tried to get a bunch of evidence thrown out. <laughs> the state fought it, and they were able to keep a lot of it in. And so things went a little bit better for the state this time. Um, the jury got it, and they were able to find Courtney guilty of murder and he received life in prison now courtney appealed this of course but was turned down each time then he every time he came up for parole he was denied he was denied for many years now i did find uh, one website that it didn't list many sources but it did kind of break down what happened as to what happened after and so I'm going to kind of give um, some of that information here. Um, Courtney uh, wasn't released to prison um, when he came up for parole in 1957, but he was paroled sometime after that. And uh, he would live to be the ripe old age of 81, and he died in 1991. Um, Helen actually... Uh, stayed in the same area 
And during World War II, she served in the Women's Army Corp and worked as a jet engine tester. I found this pretty interesting because, you know, Billy was uh, left in such an odd fashion. I mean, to leave somebody in a cemetery where you know they're going to be found very quickly. So, so very odd. Uh, the newspapers made a good point originally when they said that you know if this was just some transient person that they would have probably hid the body and the you know if somebody did this and they were mourning the person's death you know they might actually have their own little funeral in a cemetery and maybe that's what's happened maybe i i don't have a clue i mean why would you leave somebody out in the open like that it just doesn't make much sense to me at all but as we've talked about it sounds like alcohol was a major factor in all of this and so um perhaps that would explain more than just about anything else could but i want to thank you guys for listening to today's episode Uh, Check us next week. Sunday, we will have another uh, really good episode coming up. I have been working on this one for a little bit, so I'm quite excited to bring this one out to you guys. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, That way, whenever we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. And I will see you guys next time. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.